Do you manage a sports team for a school or athletic organization? And do you need help finding qualified vetted coaches? I'd like to tell you all about my sponsorship called Coach Corner. Check it out at www.coachcorner.io, your hub for premier coaching talent. Also, are you an athletic coach of any level looking for your next coaching job in your area? Check out www.coachcorner.io, your hub for premier coaching talent. Coach Corner is a network of coaches and teams growing rapidly across the U.S., and their only goal is to help teams find coaches and coaches find teams. And now, when you sign up to partner with Coach Corner as a coach or athletic organization, if you enter referral code DOME, D-O-M-E, all caps, you will be entered into a rolling raffle for free Coach Corner swag and cash prizes. That's referral code DOME at www.coachcorner.io, your hub for premier coaching talent. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. Uh, hope, hope you're all having a good day, good night. Listen to it, enjoying probably the most intense, uh, mo- the best playoffs I think we've had in a very long time. Want to make a quick shout out to our sponsors, um, Brain Fuel and Coach Corner. Uh, thank you guys for being sponsors of the show once again. And I'm here with my co-host, uh, who just was recently in his hometown, in his um, home team's roots in Nashville, Tennessee, at uh, what was it? Your fraternity formal, or whatnot? Yeah, we had formal. Yeah, we had a, yeah. So you went to Nissan Stadium. Did you go looking for uh, Derrick Henry or any Titans players? You know, while I was there, something happened, uh, something that I feared. Uh, Will Levis got – we traded <laughs> up to draft him in the second round. And, you know, at first, check my Twitter, wasn't the happiest of people, but uh, it took about 20 minutes to set in for me to officially be a <laughs> – Coffee and mayo drinker while I eat my ban- I, I eat my banana I eat my bananas with the peel now. I'm all over the Will Levis bandwagon. I was not a coffee guy in general before, but actually adding mayo to it helps. I'm a big mayo guy, so half mayo, half coffee, great ratio. I know. Will Levis. We're recording this pod at night, um, and you're not drinking coffee at this moment. You're drinking what? 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 Tell the audience what you're drinking. No free shout outs. No free shout outs. No free shout outs. Okay. No free shout outs. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I want to give a shout out to uh to this guy. And his name is Anthony Marshawn Davis <laughs> wow. Jr. You're a big He's middle name guy. Big middle name guy. So Anthony Davis has been for my guy has been the best defensive player of the playoffs. Last series, he averaged five blocks and 26 total blocks. And last night, he was a fucking monster, offensively and defensively. Uh, For those that are just following, the Lakers took a 1-0 lead over the defending champion Golden State Warriors. They won 117-112. Anthony Davis, once again, had another monster performance. The first Laker with a 30-20 game since Shaq. And he, 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 and LeBron 
where the first Lakers were back-to-back series where they've had a 20-20 game. LeBron had a 22-20 game last series against Memphis. AD had 30 points, 23 rebounds, five assists, and four block shots. Four. LeBron with 22-11, and D'Angelo Russell 19. The Lakers were up 14 with, uh, I think, six minutes left. Golden State went on a 14-0 run. That scared me. Because what the adjustment that Steve Kerr did was he put the ball in Steph's hands and let him be the playmaker, and they went zone. And the Lakers were settling for too many jumpers. They got it back. D'Angelo hit a go-ahead shot. And then Jordan Poole pulled the Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and shot a (laughs) deep shot that was way off. And the Lakers eventually survived and stole home court. Steph Curry had 27, Clay with 25, and Jordan Poole with 21. Um... So we were texting back and forth, and I, you've been since the time we've been on this pod, you've been a Laker hater. You actually have the Lakers winning the series, and I want to get your thoughts on Game One. And do you think this is the kind of recipe this takes for them to win this series with the way that Anthony Davis has been playing? I mean, what happened this Game One is exactly what I expected to happen, and I expect to happen all series. And this is why I take the Lakers to win the series. And potentially go further. Um, oh, you're the, you're you're keep coming I, around I, on the spot. Hey, you could no, no, no. You could be a Lakers hater, but you could also be realistic. I know, I know ball. You know, I'm not gonna, I can sit here and tell you they're a bad team. Uh, so first of all, winning game one at home on the road that is yeah. That's what I'm saying. Or on the road, that's what I meant. Yeah, winning game one on the road for the Lakers against a team who's 33 and eight at home this year, and the Lakers being under 500 on the road, that is monumental for them. Because a lot of people were picking the Warriors in a 50-50 type of series just to stay at the home court. Uh, so starting off with that, um, second of all, what the Lakers did this series or this game is what I expected, what I thought they had to do to win. And that was just play defense when it matters. And that's what the Lakers have done in this whole second half of the year and these playoffs, which has really just rejuvenated this team. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I mean, how many shots did they block? I mean, as a team that – 10 blocks to the Warriors three as a team. The I'll go through the stats right now. They had 10 blocks to the Warriors three Mm -hmm. blocks. And And I think that was the difference. And the free throw discrepancy. You saw that block with LeBron and moan about the free throw discrepancy. Go watch Steve Kerr's post game. He didn't complain that much about the lack of fouls. And he said Mm -hmm. that they made dumb fouls and they did. You watched that game. The Warriors made so Mm -hmm. many dumb fouls and the Warriors shot 53 three-point attempts. 53. That's absurd. That was the Lakers defense forcing him. And you know what the scary part is? Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and Steph each had six threes. The Lakers as a team had Had six threes. threes. And they still won. The Lakers did. The Lakers, as they have all season and series, shot Horribly from three and some. Yeah, we're not a game. shooting team. That's not our forte from three. And that's why the Warriors went zone when they made that big push in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they gave the ball to Steph Curry and made him the primary playmaker, which, as we saw, giving the ball to Jordan Poole in a situation with 10 seconds left is not the smartest idea. I know Curry was doubled, but at that point, you call a timeout and reset your offense and get Curry open or even Clay open. Jordan Poole, by the way, getting a lot of hate. He had a great game. 21 points, actually shot great. from. He shot six for 11 from three. That shot, though, if you're going to take a three in that moment, if you're Jordan Poole, 
a couple steps in. I mean, I know uh, – I forgot who it was. Someone was coming in. It might have been Vanderbilt coming in to, to contest the shot. Out. And yeah, it was a late closeout, so he was open for the shot, but it was really far. At that point, take a little dribble, pump fake, maybe has he – even get to the rim and put in two if you really can and make it a one-point game with eight seconds left, force him to kick, hit free throws, hit the ball right back. I really don't like that shot. I hated it when he shot it. I thought anytime the ball wasn't in Curry's hands late in the game, it was a bad shot because Curry on that 14-point run did hit that big three to tie it up. Uh thought Curry could have shot a little better from the field, maybe get to the free throw line a little more. He did get blocked on that shot by LeBron. And I gotta I give I gotta give Jared Vanderbilt a lot of credit because when he, Jared mm-hmm. Vanderbilt was guarding Steph Curry, Steph shot two of ten from the field. Mm-hmm. So he was doing the best job he could on Steph. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he, anybody's gonna shut Steph down for a full game. Mm-hmm. That's just not gonna happen. He's the greatest exactly. shooter ever. But he did as well as anyone done on Steph individually during this whole playoff run. And I really loved the defense, particularly up until the end. Um, Anthony Davis was aggressive. And this is the kind of AED that we need to see in order for us to make this run. Mm-hmm. He has to be the main guy. And then Shaq said, and Charles said it best. I don't think anybody's ever questioned his talent since we started doing the pod. We've never, what have I, we always questioned about? Never his talent. He could be a top 10 player when he chooses to be mentally and physically. The problem is injuries. And the fact is some nights he's not motivated enough to play. Like there was times in the first round series against Memphis, one game offensively, he could be a monster. The next game he could Mm -hmm. just be a get outplayed by Xavier Tillman. Yeah. And I don't know about, I don't know if that's about motivation. I don't think that's what you really meant. I thought, I think, Maybe just sort of the I want to say word. motivation. I think I just, it's more about just he's not he wasn't there. You know, sometimes you just yes, not mentally yes. there. And it's motivated. And he needs Braun to be the motivator. And Braun made a pretty good PR move, you want to say. I don't know if you watched the post-game press conferences like I do, because I watched all the Lakers post-game press conferences. LeBron said that number three. AD is going to be held up in the rafters amongst Lakers bigs. I think what he's doing, he's trying to hype Anthony Davis up, even though he does. I don't know if he not saying he believes it or not in his heart of hearts, but he's saying it out loud to hype Anthony Davis up to play like Wilt, to play like Kareem and to play like Shaq. And that's a good move that Braun is trying to make. And, and I think he, I, I think that's not an invalid thing to say. I think if they win another ring, if AD wins another ring in LA, Yes, yes. One ring, I don't know, but two. Right. Yes. He's done great. Defensively, he's been the best defensive player of the playoffs, and it's not even been close if you really look at the statistics. The thing is, though, that I really want the the adjustments. One thing I said before, I said the series would be Lakers and seven, and I thought it goes seven games. It's not just Steph that I consider the seven games, it's Steve Kerr. And you watch all Golden State series. What do they do? What does Steve Kerr do, do, do well? Typically, he looks and feel out sort of games, what adjustments he can make. And the adjustment he made was that he put the ball in Steph's hands and let him be the primary playmaker. That's mm-hmm. most of the game. Steph was playing off ball. And it was mainly in the Clay Thompson's hands initiating the offense or Draymond's hands initiating the offense. When Steph got it going, they had that run. The Lakers kind of settled and defensively 
they went zone and they forced us to hit threes. And that's what their strategy, I expect them to continue to pick up on against us in game two, is that they're going to force the other role players to make some threes. They're going to force Austin Reeves he to make some more threes. They're going to force Jared Vanderbilt to make some threes, even though he had a big three. They're going to force other people to beat us from three in that sort of way. And I think the zone strategy could be beneficial for Golden State, but it could also be beneficial for my Lakers because if you go zone, like once we start making our shots, then that's then they're going to run out of solutions to stop the Lakers. So it's really going to be dependent on if these other role players can step up. And Schroeder, mm-hmm. he, he was big for us last night. Uh, Reeves, my boy, didn't have an amazing offensive game, but made some key defensive plays, took some charges, mm-hmm. making threes. Uh, Vanderbilt's defense, I can't praise enough. And yeah, they brought him in with a minute left after not playing for a little bit because he was in foul trouble. Locked down, he was fouled. Yeah, but they well, okay, yeah. But I'm saying that they brought him back in, and he was part of that double team that got the ball out of Curry's hands at the end of the game because he's not afraid to go up there and right, lock someone down. right. And I will say this about and Draymond. I listened to Draymond's podcast before I went to work this morning, mm-hmm. and he Draymond said something interesting. He said he out of all the games he's used to playing against LeBron James. He looked, he, he see when you've seen the Cavs Warriors finals and you've seen all of LeBron against Golden State's matchups, like in regular season in the finals, LeBron runs the show on, po- on point now, and he's the facilitator. He's the scorer. He has to do everything it takes for that team to win. Now Draymond's saying that it's weird because if you watch these playoff games and even since LeBron came back from that injury, LeBron has not really been the initiator on offense as recent past years. He does not. He's playing very off ball. It's usually Austin Reeves bringing up the ball. It's D'Angelo Russell bringing up the ball. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes Schroeder when he comes into the game, he's bringing up the ball. LeBron's Mm -hmm. more of the now post-up player who's like, and who's playing off ball. And even though he's, been horrendous three-point shooting which i can't defend him on that end and part of it's due to his age that he that he can't constantly go full on attack mode every single time down low Mm -hmm. or yeah that's why i think that's why i think he's been playing a little more off ball i think it's because of the fact that him playing more off ball and not controlling the ball 90 percent of the time and always attacking and stuff it it's going to help him play more minutes and longer into the postseason at an older age because I know the last time we saw him in the postseason, it was a couple years ago when they had that big break before uh, there was a shorter season. And like, uh, yeah, it was. Of, wait, wait, which, which, are you talking about the bubble season? Or are you talking about. Well, the, the last time we saw him actually go on. far, the last time we saw him go far into the playoffs was the bubble season. And the last time, like, so we haven't seen him this old go how far in the playoffs. So maybe it's a little bit of a more of a conservative thing for him to be. Right. Saving his energy, but in a good way, you know, not like just sitting out. But. Right. And, and like the difference is with the, with D'Angelo Russell, he, he's a spot up shooter and he's, and he's a good passer and like he works well. D'Angelo mm-hmm. is, a, is a good fit with LeBron Anthony Davis. He offensively, defensively, he's a liability. Offensively, he's been very good. Now, mm-hmm. on Golden State's end, like, what adjustments do you think they'll make in game two? I think they're just going to have to get Curry open more, in my opinion. Like, at the end of the game, they looked flustered because 
honestly, for that last few minutes, they were just kind of chucking up threes. Yeah. Praying for it to go in and like praying for Curry to just run around and make a layup, but it got blocked, obviously. But I think what they need to do is either in that situation you call timeout or be ready for them to double Curry at the end of the games. You know, That's he's one of the only smart guy. things that we did. We were saying yeah. We're not going to have Steph Curry mm-hmm. tie the game for us. Yeah, against us. In that's three. a that's a classic move that you've seen a lot of. That I at least from when I played saw in a lot of AAU games. Once the player like player gets right past half court, if especially if, if he's in the corner when he passes half court, like on one of the sides, not just like on the logo, fucking flash up and have the second guy come up and trap him, put the pressure on him, make him take one step back and pass it away. And Draymond was kind of playing a really good role, I think, last game at the end of just the, the the stationary guy who's going to catch catch it, stand there for like five seconds, wait for someone to get open, pass it to him. And I think he went a little early. I think his eyes may have flashed when he saw Jordan Poole wide open and Poole kind of chucked that up. Uh, I think going forward, I think Kerr is smart enough. Curry is smart enough. That Warriors team is experienced enough to where they're going to know that the double is coming and that this Lakers team is fierce on defense, especially with like Schroeder and Vanderbilt in the the games. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think one underrated thing about this game, I don't know if it's been talked about a lot. Didn't watch a lot of shows today or anything or seeing like recaps on the game, but looking at the rebounding stats, the Lakers out rebounded the Warriors by four rebounds. And that's something I think coming into the series is being talked about a lot because Kevon Looney, as everyone knows, this whole playoffs has just been been everywhere because of his rebounding. And, and he still had 23 rebounds last night. I think the difference was the fact that AD was able to match it with 23 rebounds. So it's basically like Looney didn't have a rebound and AD didn't have a rebound. And, and then the Lakers, rest of their team is obviously bigger than the Warriors. And that's what I was going to get at. It's a big mm-hmm. difference when you go up against a smaller center in DeMontis Sabonis, who's, if you bring him out to the, outside the paint, you force I mean, he's a phenomenal rebounder. He's a great rebounder. He averages the most rebounds in the NBA. Yes, and Kevon Looney out-rebounded him that whole series by 29. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and if you bang on him, you get physical with Sabonis. You force him to take those mid-range yeah. jumpers, he's going to uh, hesitate. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis is a whole motherfucking animal, and he's going to yeah. – not going to hesitate on shooting those jumpers. He, and he's mm-hmm. not – and he's a more physical post-up player. And mm-hmm. and Draymond, no one on the on the Warriors can guard Anthony Davis. Kevon Looney can bang with him on the boards. But I don't yeah. think anybody has a matchup against AD for, for AD, and that benefits mm-hmm. us in a big way. If he, I think, yeah. if he continues to – if he's mentally and physically right – then the sky's the limit for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Just going to depend on his health and if he's gonna willing to pound down low. And mm-hmm. it's good. And I will say this. I think I, I I think that adjustments that Golden State's going to make because they're not yeah. gonna out there. Yeah, I mean I expect I them maybe to do and what I expect them to do. I think they're gonna go small if I had to make Yeah, them. I what I expect the Warriors to do. And I expect them to do this right out of the gate next game. Like I, starting I, I don't know purposes, like change a lineup. Um, not say, no, I'm not saying change a lineup. I'm saying what they should do and what I think they will do because I think obviously they're smart enough coach team and experienced enough team. I think Draymond is smart enough as a defender. They are going to bring a double team every time AD catches the ball in the post, and not to just double team him to flash someone there, like probably Draymond to flash up for a second so that AD sees the double coming, kick it out right away force the Lakers to shoot threes, force the ball out of AD's hand, and 
Don't do it mid middle of the game. Don't do it late in the game randomly. Do it right out of the gates so that AD can't catch fire. AD starts feeling doubles every time. And like, obviously we know AD, there's some games where he's just not there. That's, I think, how you get him out of his rhythm and get him his headspace away when he can't just go one-on-one with a guy like Kevon Looney. I think Draymond, smart enough. Kerr, smart enough to always have Draymond flashing up right at AD and like maybe poke his hand in there. Don't follow him because obviously we saw last game Warriors doubled the Lakers in fouls, which honestly it could be the reason they lost. Uh, I think uh, you bring a flash double every time AD catches the ball in the post so that he can't just turn around and go to work. And if he does try to put the ball on the ground, probably getting stolen by Draymond. So get the ball to AD's hand, force threes, like we said. And I think that's how you shut down AD. Again, that might open up a spot for LeBron to have an open lane if AD kicks it out and they start swinging around and the Warriors are scrambling. But I'm just saying, in Anthony Davis' purposes, don't let him beat you, make LeBron beat you. AD's beating you. LeBron's obviously not going to have a bad game. (laughs) Even if he shoots poorly, he's still going to put up 20-something points and play great defense and facilitate. And he's still LeBron fucking James. It's not like like his worst game in the playoffs is probably going to be like 15 points. And that's a crazy thing to see. He'll probably get the 20 points. So you might as well not let AD put up 30 and 20 on you because we see the Lakers, they lose most games when AD is not there. And for the Lakers on our end or in the team that you're actually kind of rooting for now, You've gone over to the to the good side now. I mean, money, the money's on the money's on the Lakers to win this series. Uh, that's looking good. So what right adjustments now. you think got to make in game two? The Lakers. Yes. Well, yeah, last obviously, point, but then we'll move to the next series. Obviously, no one's perfect. They played a great game. They won on the road. Nobody's perfect. Still I think court. they the the I don't know about adjustments because it's not broken. Don't fix it. But I think they need to be ready for, like I said, a Warriors team to come into the adjustments. And I think they will be, I obviously can't say, but they should be ready for adjustments to come and they should have a plan if that, if, if that makes sense. I mean, it's pretty obvious they should have a plan if AD starts getting doubled or whatever. And I think if AD starts getting doubled, look for an Austin Reeves game. Yeah, my Austin boy! Hey, I'm not the biggest Austin Reeves guy. I think everyone's overhyping him a little bit just because he's like some white guy. That you know he's gonna get a bag this summer, right? Yes, deservingly so. Jordan Poole's gonna get a fucking bag if it's Austin Reeves, right? Jordan Poole's in a solid game. He's had a solid season, but he's, in my opinion, he's just like overrated. It's hard. It's hard yes, it's hard to like see Jordan. He puts up good. It's really weird. He puts up good numbers and he does it efficiently. But when I watch him play, I think he's a little out of control. And, he he's very out and Austin Reeves is a phenomenal make... defender. So and Jordan Poole can't guard a stick on defense. Yes, he cannot guard someone if they were stationary. He couldn't guard a parked car. All right. But, um, but I'm not the biggest Jordan Poole guy. Uh, I do like this Warriors team. Love to see Curry get another ring somehow and Clay and Dre. But I think this Lakers team wins. And if you're really throwing shit out right now, I think the Lakers are winning the championship. Oh, yeah, I know you're really, really happy to see that. Maybe a little shocked. Um, there's something inside of me right now. This this whole season, honestly, since the trade deadline when the Lakers started going, like getting better, made their moves and started playing better, that took me a little bit to say it and took me a series of NBA playoffs to really come out and say it. But I, I think LeBron gets ring number five. And you quote me on saying this, if LeBron gets ring number five, he's the best player of all time. But until then, it's still Jordan. Oh, my God. Jordan will always be the GOAT. 
no matter what, but LeBron, I will admit, is the better basketball player if he wins ring number five after all that happened this year. And then AD, there's conversations about where he stands all time. And then maybe after second ring, don't want to say it, but LeBron could not. I'm not saying retire, but might not be in a Lakers uniform for too long, especially with Bronny coming to the NBA. I want to think about that right now. I'm just focused. I'm not going to think about that right now, but hey, hey, hey. I'm not, and by the way, I don't want to look like I'm overreacting about one game. I had this take before they even started the series against the Warriors. Before they even started against Memphis, I knew they were going to clear Memphis because Memphis was out a couple guys, Ja was out a couple games, whatever. (laughs) Dylan Brooks. He's a change. It's crazy to see how he's changed. He, I know like everyone looks at a jumper, it's broken, he doesn't know how to score. Watch his Oregon highlights. It's a totally different jumper. A totally like he always had a little bit of an unorthodox jumper, but he was lights out in Oregon. Like he, like the way I don't know, and I I don't know why he changed how he shoots. Maybe I don't know. The mechanics are all off. I don't know what's up with him. He wanted to be the bad guy in the NBA, and then he can't handle it. I don't know what team is going to sign him. A team will sign him though. Don't, I know I challenge I jokes, but he's, we, good. he's get- a good enough NBA player. Before we get to the next series, I just got to say, Dylan Brooks and Dwight Howard are going to be very dangerous in Taiwan. I honestly don't think he will because Dylan Brooks still can't fucking shoot. Like Dwight Howard's (laughs) seven feet tall. Dylan Brooks can't shoot. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, so, so we, so before we get to the next series, you have Lakers in six. Yeah. I think winning game one is huge because I don't think the Warriors are winning in LA. If you're, if we're being honest, I didn't expect them to win in Sacramento. They won a game in Sacramento, but I, I don't I, like I, the Warriors. Just I have us winning, obviously winning the series. I think it's going to go the distance seven games, but I think we're going to. I think we're what we won the first game, and I have us winning the last game. I'm going to say we win game seven at or at fucking Bay, what Chase Center, wherever the Chase fuck. Center. I missed the Oracle Arena, man. Oracle Arena was awesome. Yes. Now let's move on to this other series. Uh, this We're recapping tonight's game, which is barely even a recap. The Philadelphia yeah, – I mean, We'll recap the series. We'll talk about the series. It's a good series. So, Joel Embiid, your, your guy from your long – All right, all right. Let's see. Who, why, why is he my guy? Because he, look at your former Twitter profile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my – yeah, mm-hmm. my guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And uh, Joel Embiid – Won the MVP. I think we everybody in the world in the NBA who watches the NBA agrees with that. He was absolutely phenomenal across the entire mm-hmm. season, and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. But and you tweeted something, and I actually was agreeing with you. And it oh, made- phenomenal take by the way. Phenomenal take. Clap it up for the guys. I'm gonna. I mean, it, I mean, no, no, no. Uh... Did not come back to bite me in the ass. I think it was – I was really confident. I was so I confident actually, I took the I Celtics looked, minus eight. And it was going to be a blowout. I, I didn't think the Sixers would win, but I didn't think it would be a fucking massacre tonight. The, and I knew it. You know what? The Sixers should actually be, be kind of feeling very good. Not tonight, but the fact that it's 1-1, they did it without Joel Embiid and your Favorite player ever, James Harden had forty five and turned. Favorite non Bulls player ever, James Harden. Harden. People know that if you follow me on Twitter for a while. Tonight he looked like a wash, James Harden. He had. And you know why? Because they take the. He's not the guy when Embiid's playing, and that's why I think. 
I'm not saying they're better without Embiid, but I'm saying like people going into this game, like, oh my God, you're getting prime Harden from last game. Now with Embiid, no, I'm like, all right, guys, let's calm no, down. It's Harden. not going to happen because he hasn't been like that. Adjustment. When James Harden doesn't have the one of, if not the best big man out in the game, he's got, he has the full free ability to be prime James Harden in Houston. Mm-hmm. And he has that, and he has that ability. And there was no expectations that game. No one thought they'd win game one. And he went off. Um, yeah. But they did not play well at all. They shot less than 40% from the field. The Celtics hit 20 threes. They, they attempted 51 threes and made 20. I don't know what's with it with these teams in the playoffs just shooting up 50 plus three points. You don't, you don't get the whistle in the playoffs like you did in the regular season, so you cannot just drive to the hoop yes, and throw up a shot. Yes, three-point attempts. That's absurd. I mean, and, yeah, the, the crazy stat about this game, you said something about uh, field goal percentage and all that. The Sixers, only two starters to attempt a free throw were unbeaten Harden. That's freaking nuts and Joel Embiid this is I look here's what's what's really interesting I actually before Harden's I'm sorry Embiid's injury I was kind of high on the Sixers team I had them in the Eastern Conference Finals I really did because with the way Embiid's playing and with the addition of PJ Tucker Melton and with the way Tyrese Maxey shout out to him by the way great guy met him at Summer League last year phenomenal awesome. and I, the way he's played, especially in the Brooklyn series, I thought this team was going to at least break through and at least make the Eastern Conference Finals. Now Embiid has an LCL spring, which if, reg- if he, this was regular season, he wouldn't be playing. He missed four to six mm-hmm. weeks with an LCL. Yeah, I expected for playing, but as I expected, he looked very slow, he looked very, very sluggish. He, he looked, looked like, like a man a on one leg. And he looked like <laughs> he a shot. three rebounds. Three rebounds. Harden had to carry the load with 10 rebounds. He looked like a shell of himself. And if that's going to be the case, and if he's just going to hinder his team even more, then I expect Boston to gentlemen sweep them in five games, unfortunately, now, because of this. Because I really like the Sixers team. But if – I got to tell you this. They did not look that great. And it's a big adjustment when you're playing with just Harden, who's running the show, and then you have to get to Embiid. And he's not even 100%. Now, if he was, like, close to 80, maybe the game would have been somewhat closer. But he was not – I didn't even think he looked 60% out there. He didn't mm-hmm. even look like himself. You can tell. Yeah. He couldn't. Very obvious oh. from the start. And I said – I think the Boston – if MB's injury is going to plague them, I'm going to say the Celtics gentlemen sweep in five games. Yeah. I mean, my take on that, I mean, Celtics going into the series after the first round were the finals – favorites and i still think they should be i know i said the lakers are going to win it i think it'll be lakers celtics a little classic right there um i think i mean i i'm not saying i'd be surprised if celtics won't just kind of making a little take that the lakers win that but the celtics it could be their year and this is why they tonight jason tatum shot one for seven from the field with seven seven points and they won the game by 34 like if they can be doing that in the playoffs with the Sixers being their biggest threat, considering the Bucks lost, uh, I know the heat, you know, Jimmy, all that, but I don't see the Knicks as a threat. They're more of just like a team that can hang around and win games and might beat the heat. If Jimmy's injury is that serious. Uh, I think the Celtics and Sixers are the only contenders considering Jimmy's injury right now in the East. Um, 
but I think the Sixers, if they're going to have a Joel Embiid out there looking like, I don't know, he looks like Jokic if he wasn't good at basketball athleticism-wise out there. I mean, that was really hard to watch today. Um, but the Celtics, they're just so deep, very well coached. Uh, you have two superstars on this team. Al Horford, the difference maker, he didn't play well tonight, obviously. But last year in the finals, I said, if Al Horford's on, they'll win a game. If he's not, they're going to lose that game. And that's kind of how the finals went last year. They lost two more experienced Warriors team. But I think with the finals loss under the belt, the Celtics have that experience now. Uh, they're on a mission. Jalen Brown throwing up 25 points tonight with lockdown defense on Harden. And their bench stepped up. Like a guy like Grant Williams throwing 12 points. Brogdon, 23 points. I mean, Celtics team is going to be really tough to beat. Um, I don't know even if the Heat make it next to next round as much as I love Jimmy Butler without Hero. I don't know if they have much outside of Butler to beat the Celtics. And I don't think the Sixers are going to be able to. I mean, that game one was fun and all. I obviously am rooting for the Sixers because of Harden, but I don't think they have it to win this game because I do think they rely on free throws a lot and Harden to be lights out from three. And he's not going to be with them, especially with them being this hurt. Right. Celtics uh, did not fear him beat tonight. Ditto. I, I'm with you on that, and I hate Boston, but and I want the Sixers to win, but for obviously for different reasons, because uh, mm-hmm. Celtics, and because I I hate Boston, mm-hmm. and you just want to see James Harden do well. So I don't have see much hope throughout the rest of the series. Um, consider Game One their quote unquote championship if they don't win this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about. Um, I want to talk about uh, the Heat Knicks series. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen uh, back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really, um, I really think this series is going to be dependent on health, and this is the theme of the playoffs. It's really going to be dependent on, like. Not only the team that's going to win the whole thing, that's the, that's the best team that executes in the playoffs. It's going to be the team mm-hmm. that's the healthiest. That's the big part of it. It's a lot to do with luck in the playoffs and a lot to do with health. And mm-hmm. I don't know who has the edge now because before the series, I said Knicks. Mm-hmm. I still have Knicks winning the series in seven. But I would not be shocked if the Miami Heat won this series because, because, like because like they 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 won Game One and Game Two they almost beat the Knicks without Jimmy Butler and there was a while yeah. that game I thought they were going to beat the Knicks without Jimmy Butler especially when they came back at the end I was like and if you're if I'm a Knicks fan I'm very concerned even after winning Game Two yeah um I yes. As a Knicks, I mean, I have a couple of Knicks friends here at school. They were very concerned after that game. Um, is you need a guy like Mitchell Robinson to play better, honestly. He was not aggressive at all, seemed like a non factor most of the time. Only had five boards, six points. You need a guy like him to actually do something. Um, they're they have just their bench men played horrible. All of their points, but 12 came from the starters. Had guys like Jalen Brunson having to carry, Julius Randle having to carry, RJ Barrett having to carry. Uh, but I want to give Jalen Brunson his flowers, man. It's awesome He's seeing him succeed. He honestly could have been an all-star this season. He should have been. Uh, he's earning every single cent of that contract and some. 
Uh, the Knicks got a great one. He's, I mean, grew up in Stevenson or went going to Stevenson, but he was born in New York. He's a he's a New York guy. Um, and he, and he so grew, and he grew up in Philadelphia, and him and yeah. and Nova and and yeah, Steve Josh. Seeing him and Josh Hart is awesome. Also, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, both they're great, they have a great romance, and they're they're best yeah. friends. Yeah, um, it's gonna it's honestly, if you just went to the box score and looked at their starting lineup, you'd be like, how do they only win this game by six? And that's because you look at the bench and. You got nothing from there. So they keep getting great performances out of Julius Randall, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett. I think they'll be fine this series, especially with Butler out. I think Butler comes back next game. You know, there's a I video going around of him smirking a little they bit. They won game one because he pretty much get six days rest with healing that rolled ankle. And in <laughs> Miami, they have <laughs> the momentum. I think the yeah. Knicks are a better team. I think the Knicks are <laughs> a better team. If you really look at it, especially. Yeah. With, with Kyle Lowry playing this bad man. And especially with Tyler Hero out and Old Depot gone, that takes mm-hmm. a big hit to their depth. And mm-hmm. I and I got Butler, it. Tell man. You, Jimmy Buckets. But Jimmy Butler, it's tough with the bet against. I, I'm gonna I said Nixon seven, but would I be shocked if the Miami Heat win the series? No, I would not. Give me the Heat in seven. I think I'm Jimmy Butler comes back. back next game. I think they Honestly, I think the Heat win both games at home. I think it's going to be a really tough environment for the Knicks. Obviously, Heat games, they always show up late. It's hard to get to the stadium. Can't blame the fans. Trust me, it's really hard to get there. That's why it's always late. So give them a few minutes into the game, and then the crowd will be into it. They're always wearing the white shirts there. I think Jimmy Butler coming back, he's not going to lose on his home floor, at least the first game. I don't know about the second game, but I do think they go up 3-1. And I think the Knicks – Win a couple games, stay alive, maybe go to seven. I think the Heat win this in six or seven, either on their home floor or back in New York. But going to be a great series. Could go either way. I just it's really hard for me to pet against Jimmy Butler. But if he's going to be injured, don't know how his ankles going to be feeling during the game. If he's going to look like Joel Embiid out there, I might have to change my mind. But we'll see how he looks next game if he is back. I expect him to be back. He's getting that little smirk after the game. You know. Hey Jordan, you want to hear a fun fact? Uh, sure. Caffeine involved in a coffee bean with some of the greatest antioxidants on the planet. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Let, let, let me cut you off right there. I wasn't done. You see, green tea, another great source of caffeine, evolved with an entirely different set of antioxidants as well. Is this another brain fuel ad? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, well, in that case, brain fuel takes the best of both worlds without the roast or heat that may reduce potency and increase toxicity. It support, it's supportive blends of fuels, antioxidants, and brain-boosting additives create a new paradigm for the effective delivery of caffeine. Not to mention, it is the best-tasting drink I've personally had in a while. To support the heroes who push society forward, challenge the status quo, and initiate a better tomorrow by providing them with the fuel to actualize their best self. If you want to help support our podcast and try Brain Fuel, use code DOME for 20% off your order at BrainFuel.com. That's code DOME, all caps, D-O-M-E, at BrainFuel.com, B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com for 20% off your order. So, yeah, I'm with you on this series. It's going to be a battle for sure. Um, I think this series could go either way. And 
the big thing that I've watched from this uh, Knicks um, Heat series, it's going to be, I don't want to say that they're better that than, I think, feel like the Knicks are so, it's the same thing that I say with, um, with all these, these star players with their teams is that like with Embiid and the Sixers or even with Lakers and AD, the Knicks are very reliant on Julius Randle with a lot of his mm-hmm. post-ups and he could shoot you in a game and, and he could be Stephen A. Smith's worst nightmare and he could shoot <laughs> you and be very inefficient, makes him very yep. dumb. 100%. Jimmy Butler has been the most consistent in these playoffs. On the mm-hmm. other hand, Jimmy's been – I think he's been the he's been the best player of the playoffs so far. The first round, oh, yeah, the first two games, Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers was the best before he hurt his knee and and then shit went downhill from there for the Clippers. The mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler throughout this whole series, this whole playoffs, he's been the best player. And I don't think there's mm-hmm. much to say about Devin Booker. You can make an argument for it, even though he's very inconsistent on defense. AD's been the best defensive player of the whole playoffs. Jimmy Butler's been the best player of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's what I really look at it. Yeah, you. I agree. And like you said, Julius Randle, I mean, you could argue RJ Barrett's the best player, John Brunson's the best player, whatever we want to argue. Julius Randle, we've seen it in the playoffs before. It's going to depend on if he can hit shots or if he's going to have one of his days where he shoots like two for 15 and shoots him out of a game. But him putting up 25 last game was a big help. Uh, I just think they need a little more out of their bench, maybe a little more from Mitchell Robinson, but he does have a tough matchup of Bam Adebayo. If Bam Adebayo is even on Mitchell Robinson, I don't even remember. I don't know why he would be, but maybe that's why his numbers are low. But, yeah, I think that he win that series in six or seven. Uh, I think that he just – I think the Knicks' ceiling is lower than the, the Heat, but, like, with how far they make it. But I think the Heat – or I think the Knicks have a higher floor. That sounds – really weird to say about a team in the playoffs. Yes. But I think the Knicks, they're they have I think that, that's that's me basically saying they have the better team, like overall team than the Heat with Tyler Hero out. But the Heat have Jimmy Butler. The Knicks don't have someone that could they don't have a superstar. They don't the Heat have a superstar. So I think the Heat are a team that can win the championship, but the Knicks may be the better team than the Heat. Because <laughs> you can't win a championship without a superstar. You can't. But nowadays, especially with how the NBA is set up right now, you cannot. So I think the Knicks, they could win the series. They could be the better team than the Heat, but I don't think they can make the finals. I think the Heat, if they win the series, could make the finals. That's basically what I'm trying to say, is that the Knicks ceiling is the semi, is the conference finals and the Heat series, heat ceiling is the NBA finals. Fair enough. Now I want to talk about the last series of the NBA playoffs. It's, mm-hmm. again, it's the same thing that we – I'm going to reiterate this theme – Whoever's going to win this the championship this year, which, again, I would love to say my Lakers, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It depends on health. It depends on which team is going to execute and yep. the best. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you, for this, this round, the, I think that Denver Nuggets are the perfect example of the type of team that can contend for a championship, even, even if Chris Paul is healthy. The, the, the mm-hmm. Nuggets are a far deeper team. Yes, the Suns have obviously the better starting lineup than Denver does. The Nuggets are very, very a much deeper bench, and that was cons that for the Suns. What we said, they're a great starting lineup, but and when healthy, they can win a championship. But their bench 
as very iffy. And unfortunately, with Chris Paul being hurt with the groin injury, who's going to and which unfortunately is we we see this every year from Chris Paul, whether it's something either a playoff disappointment or him being injured. I feel like we see this every year with Chris Paul. And unfortunately, they don't have and campaign. If you're asking him to be like the primary decision maker, considering he's missed so many games this year and he hasn't really been that great for them this year, he's been regressing. That's mm-hmm. not a recipe for success. And Devin Booker, he can be a playmaker, but he has to exert so much energy on the offensive end that he's mm-hmm. very inconsistent defensively. Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. KD's not been himself this series, if you really look at the numbers. He's not really that efficient. Didn't really shoot mm-hmm. at that last series either. And the scary part for the Nuggets was Jamal Murray had an awful offensive game. After that great game one. He was great game one. He was terrible in game two, but he made some big shots down the end. He still made some key. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say he he, sh- he had a horrible shooting game, but he did make some important plays when needed to. Mm-hmm. And Jokic was just a monster in game two per usual. Yeah. Um, is it? I know I don't want to say it's over because I don't want to ever count out when you have like a Kevin Durant on your team. But with Chris Paul's injury and the Nuggets being a deeper team, would you say the series is like over? No, because I think you have to wait until they go back to Phoenix to see. I mean, obviously, it could be an obvious statement, but if the Nuggets do win game three and it's 3 uh, Yeah, because like, no, you never come back 3 0. It's a death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, especially if you're losing a game at home. Like, yeah, but we got to see how the Suns play. Uh, if they can make it two to one, then God knows what they could do in game four. You know, it could be like one of those series where first four games are split at home, uh, especially, you know, Booker feels more comfortable at home. KD may, maybe feels more comfortable at home. Uh, Chris Ball, I don't know the severity of his injury, but he he's going to, he's going to miss point guard with a groin injury. That's he's going to miss them at least the next two to three games. Is that confirmed? Yes. Okay. So yes. I mean, but here's the, um, your point on the bench, uh, yes, you could argue the Nuggets have a better bench. Better but overall you can't, team. You can't – yeah, well, you can't argue that they have a better bench or deeper bench because they only play three guys off the bench. They have an eight-man rotation, and those three guys aren't that good. It's Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and Bra- and uh, what's his face, uh, Christian Braun. He's been good, though. I like Christian Braun. He's been solid. Yeah, he's like a four-point-a-game guy, but, I mean – you know, as a rookie, which is like Sally, he wasn't expected to do much. Um, but I mean, their only guy off the bench really is Bruce Brown. That's who they rely on off the bench. Jeff Green and Christian Brown are scoring. Uh, Bruce Brown is doing a lot of the scoring off the bench and carrying the load off the bench. And he played solid last game, but all their points and everything comes from their starters. And honestly, the Nuggets might have the better bench. The Suns do play like usually a four or five guys off the bench, but they had four points in total last game off the bench. The Nuggets having the better bench is more of just like a tallest midget type of argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the series doesn't come down to the bench. I think the series comes down to which stars are going to be played better and which stars are going to play better in the and at the end of the game. And when Chris Paul went down, the Suns lost that game. The Suns were winning that game going into the fourth. They're winning it most of the fourth. And then Chris Paul went down and they lost that fourth quarter 27 to 14 and lost by 10. So, and they only put up 87 points, and that is due to part that Kevin Durant, I mean, it's crazy to say only, but only had 24 points, and it wasn't a 
an efficient 24 points. He's not been as efficient. 24 points so. and 27 shots. 27 shots to score 24 points when Kevin Durant is out of this world bad. Uh, two for 12 from three is not what you like to see out of Kevin Durant and what you expect out of Kevin Durant. Uh, DeAndre actually played a better game, more aggressive on offense at 14 points. You know, you don't get much, much of those out of him this day. These days, Devin Booker, obviously microwave of a score, but not a great defender. So you have to, you have to take the hit on defense with him. But I think maybe heading back home, get the crowd on your side, get a little run going to start the game, get KD hot. That is how the Suns win the championship because the Suns, they weren't really seen as a championship contender. And then they brought in KD. You have Kevin Durant on your team. I think the Suns, obviously being up 2-0, have the upper hand in the series so far. And Jokic, man. I mean, a lot of guys were doubting the Suns going into the playoffs just because of their past. They don't have the big flashy guy. You know, they have Jokic, but they have Jamal Murray, whatever. But we've seen this team be in the playoffs with an MVP Jokic the past two years and not do anything. But Jokic really stepped up to the plate with Jamal Murray playing terrible last game, throwing up 39 and 16. Just they've been hurt the last the two years. Game. They, they I think a guy hurt. like Aaron Gordon's an X factor. They, they've yeah. been hurt the last well, two Well, yeah, Jamal Murray's been – this is the first class we've seen in a while. Yes, first one since the bubble. And yeah, I think – They made that – KCP played a hell of a game too. I wish he was still a Laker, but he's – yeah, he's been playing well. I mean, <laughs> they, they – they're that team every year that, that you kind of want to root for because, like, nope. When we talk about the regular seat, people are just talking about the playoffs. I mean, not a lot of people have said the Nuggets are going to come out of to win it to win the West. And I think I know, the Suns were favored in the series. The Suns were favored in the series, and the Suns were fate were I think the second favorites to win the whole thing behind Boston in this round. Mm-hmm. So I think it was them. And then Golden State and the mm-hmm. I think Lakers were fourth or fifth, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. But the yeah. point being, Denver has been kind of disrespected as a number one seed. If 100%. you look at their starting line, they just don't – they have great chemistry with each other. They play very good defense under Mike Malone. Jokic has been – incredible another mvp mm-hmm. caliber season he's mm-hmm. i i i'm a big jokic fan i love jokic oh, yeah. and and it's hard not to root for him and who know and they made the western conference finals in the bubble a couple years ago and the last two years they've been injury prone they've been hurt they mm-hmm. lost Jamal murray for the torn acl missed off last year and they got swept by the Suns in the second round two years ago, obviously, mm-hmm. the Suns team. And then last year, they had no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. And predictably, mm-hmm. they got swept by the Golden State Warriors. I think this this team could – is good. I don't know if they're going to win the West because mm-hmm. whoever comes out of the Lakers-Warriors series, I think is going to be – in a. I think would mm-hmm. – we would have something to say about that against Denver – but mm-hmm. would I be shocked if Denver won the West or won the West or potentially the whole thing in this playoffs? No, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, they're a very mm-hmm. deep, well coached. Yeah. I mean, I, it's they're a team that you're just it's very hard to root against, especially offensively with the way Jokic, the way it's moving around, and the way that the Suns can't have an answer for him, especially the pick and roll, and especially with his post ups. Mm-hmm especially how he spaces the floor and the way Jamal Murray could shoot the ball. Then obviously it was pretty bad in game two, but he's still mm-hmm. a threat. He's still incredibly dangerous when healthy mm-hmm. and KCP like 
they're a very deep team, the Denver. Yeah. I mean, so the, the Nuggets, I mean, I think Aaron Gordon, I want to get this off my chest. I think he's been a great addition to their team from when they traded. Should have been all star. You can make a case he should have been all star. Yeah, he is more than just his stats and how he is as a player. He is an electrifying player and he gets the crowd into it. He gets the team energized when he has those big donks. He has those big plays. Like he's always swatting people. Like, you know, he, in my opinion, is the X factor because you know what you're going to get out of Jokic. You know, unless it's a crazy, like, knock on wood, like he's not going to throw up like a 10 point game. You know, he's going to get his points. He's going to get his rebounds. He's going to be a really good passer as a big. No, no one's going to take that away. Jamal Murray. Usually in the playoffs, you expect them to do better than he did yesterday. They were still able to win the game. I mean, I've um, seen, I saw him go to toe to toe with Donovan Mitchell, like in the playoffs, and he was. Yeah, you know, that was unbelievable. He... Yeah, and I think the reason the Nuggets, like you said, were disrespected coming to this playoffs, was not because oh, same old Nuggets are just going to lose whatever with Jokic, whatever, but it was because the end of their regular season they were not. Good. They no, came in. They, they had some terrible losses. They lost to the Spurs. They got blown out by the Bulls. They've had they, some terrible they losses. They limped. They limped into the playoffs. Jokic lost the MVP race. I think, I mean, players like to say they don't listen to the media, stuff like that. I think it might have gone to Jokic's head when he was getting the questions about stat padding, like analysis, like people were all talking about the MVP debate. You know, Perkins made that horrible comment about uh, it being racist. Like, when, that, with, yeah, with all clown, the with but... with all the drama surrounding Jokic and the MVP debate when he obviously did nothing wrong and like he couldn't control it. I think it did get to him a little bit, uh, like kind of being in the media attention, but I think now he's kind of past that, you know, MVP race is over, whatever. He doesn't care about that. He's one, two, doesn't need three. He'd rather have an MVP in the finals. He, he, um, he wants to win a championship. Yeah. I think they're getting hot after, I mean, you have a big cold streak going into the playoffs. Now it's time for a little hot streak. I think they're getting hot at the right time. A phenomenal home team. We'll have to see how they do on the road because Suns were in the regular season 17 and 24 on the road, and the Nuggets were 34 and 7 at home. And in the playoffs, it'll make it harder to win on the road and easier to win at home. So maybe it was a little expected that the Suns would win both games. They were favored in both games. Don't know about the series price, but Suns need this game three. I know that sounds obvious, but they need this game three really badly because they're not coming down. And I think if they win this game three, and we can start talking about the Suns potentially winning the series. It's got you got to see how it happens too. You know, you got you got to see KD play better. Not about winning the game. It's about seeing KD play better in the win. Because you know, yeah, but, we know we're gonna get out of Booker. He's gonna score a lot of points and not play defense. KD is supposed to be a better defender. It's supposed to be the closer. You know, right? He just wasn't last game. He was not. And that's what. That's what. Yeah. He was not. Uh. Because we're doing this pot at night, I think we're I'm gonna have a coffee and maybe some mayo because we're gonna talk about we're gonna switch subjects here. I want to get into the NFL draft for a bit because we talk ball when I do pods with you. Um, I want to talk about uh, all right. Well, well, let's make this short and sweet. I'll let you. Uh, we're gonna have a little therapy session on Will Levis. And oh no, I'm sold on him. I'm excited. You're you're so you're sold on on Will Levis, and you're gonna drink, put mayo and coffee, and just drink banana and eat banana peels every day. Right. Here, so before the draft, I, along with a lot of people in the media, a lot of people in the world outside of Mel Kuyper, were low on Will Levis and thought he was more of like the Zach Wilson. He's gonna show out in his pro day. <laughs> like he like. like 
it's an unfair comparison because they're not like the same player at all. Uh, Zach Wilson was honestly better in, in college, but Zach Wilson was the guy who came out with his sleeves off, just gunning balls in like a tank top, like, you know, coming out there cocky, doing all those videos of eating the bananas, whatever. Um, he had a tough last year, you know, like his years, the years prior, he was, people were talking about him being a top three pick and all that, but his tape this year was not great. From what I've watched, at least, he has a lot of mistakes, a lot of faulty interceptions. But my dream scenario as a Titans fan in the AFC West was that, or the AFC, the AFC South, Jesus, it's, it's late, guys. Uh, AFC South was the Colts and Texans fucking up and neither of them taking, or and the Texans not taking a quarterback and then the Titans trading up to three, taking Stroud, and then the Colts settling for Will Levis. Obviously, that didn't happen. The Colts took Anthony Richardson, who I love, and the who could be a bust, by the way. He is a very hit or miss pick at the four. And with the Colts quarterback history, you know, um, and Frank Reich maybe could have been his mentor, but not there. Um, and then the Texans getting CJ Stroud and obviously trading up for Will Anderson. The Titans now have the fourth best quarterback in the, NFC, in the AFC South. You know, we haven't seen three of them touch a football field, but going by where they were drafted and who people think are better. Will Levis, if he's going to be our starter for the future, is probably the fourth best quarterback. And the thing about Will Levis is if we were confident enough to take him at 11 or trade up for him and take him, I would feel a lot better because then it was our guy the whole time. We were confident enough to take him in the top 10 slash 11, whatever, same thing, or trade up and even take him. Then I would be like, all right, we were really confident this guy's our guy, whatever. If we weren't confident enough to sit there at 11 and take him, why – like, do I have reason to believe he is the guy for us if we had to wait till the second round to trade up for him? Love the Skronsky pick. I think he's a 10-year starter in this NFL. Don't know if he's going to sit at guard or tackle. He's a little – he's more built to be a guard in the NFL, but was a phenomenal tackle in college. And obviously, if you can get a tackle, you'd like him, you'd like to get that position. It's at a premium, and especially with our fucking offensive line. Um, I do not like that we came out of this draft class drafting one receiver and it was in like the seventh round. I think that's the biggest positional need we have. Uh, it's the reason last year we couldn't win a fucking game because we ran trailing Burks out there, even though he was hurt sometimes. We're going to be, we're, we're running out with a depth chart right now of trailing Burks, Kyle Phillips, and Nick Westbrook Aquino. That has got to be the worst receiving core post-draft in NFL history. That's, that's the worst. Love Traylon Burks. Thinks he's a, I actually think he's a number one receiver talent. He just gets hurt a little bit, a little inconsistent. Got to see him make that jump this year. And it's also tough when he doesn't have a great quarterback at the home. If Will Levis can get that connection with him as two young guys, that would be great. Kyle Phillips, I'm high on, but he was hurt all last year. He was played one game. He's a short little slot receiver. People like him a lot. Nicholas Burkina. Nicholas Burkina might as well be an O-lineman or a tight end. He just sits there and blocks. He doesn't do a shit. Doesn't do shit. Uh, but I really don't like our Tajay Sharp pick in uh, or Tajay Sharp. I don't know how to pronounce it. In the third round, we took a running back with no ACL when we have Derrick Henry. I know Henry may not have as many years left, but taking a running back in round three when you could take a receiver, our last position we need is a running back. And we took one who was phenomenal in college, would have gone higher, but the reason he could go higher is because of his medical records. He has no ACL. He's got – fucked up knees, all that, whatever. But the Titans came out of this draft with a A draft grade from PFF. A draft. I don't know how. If you look at Titans Twitter, if you look at the Titans media, you'd think we came out of the draft with an F. And it's kind of like every year, Titans fans love the draft class. 
and think we got like an A, and then the media gives us like an F. So, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we're wrong. Probably aren't for a bunch of emotional idiots. But thing about Will Levis again is that it's hard to get excited when last year we drafted a quarterback in the third round. We all got oh, excited. Oh, and for it. look how that, that turned really, out. He got replaced clearly, by Josh Dobbs. And the thing is, the thing is about it, it's not even about his potential or how good he is. It's the fact that we sat there and just took a quarterback in the third round. He clearly wasn't our guy because we didn't take him in rounds prior. You know, we kind of just took him because he fell to us and was like, all right, let's see what he's got. Will Levis, kind of the same thing. I know we traded up for him, but we traded like eight picks up. Like, I don't love that. Maybe the reason Titans fans hate him is because he's a Kentucky guy and a lot of guys in the Titans fan base, Kentucky's a little bit of a rival. Um, I like Will Levis' confidence. He was really excited to come here. So we'll see how they do. And yeah, but I don't know. Maybe we can get onto more of the draft and not just the Titans. That's just my little Titans. Right, right. Okay. Right so, okay. So you got, uh, but, you got it out, out of the way. Um, what do you think? I want to talk about the reigning <laughs> champion Philadelphia Eagles. Apparently it's the, apparently they're, they now are in Georgia now. Apparently they're, yeah, they're fielding. We could very well see when Fletcher Cox retires after this year, most likely, or just leaves. Could very well see the front four from Georgia's national championship team in 2021. And, uh, and they got a former Georgia dog in DeAndre Swift, former Detroit Lion. I think that's that's a great fit for them. Yeah, honestly, I forgot they traded Miles Sanders or Miles Sanders signed elsewhere. I thought they were just trading for Swift with him. Sanders on the squad. And then he picked yeah, something. He's on the Panthers, yeah, but I yeah, forgot so that he was on the Panthers. I, I thought they were DeAndre traded for Swift with Sanders. DeAndre Swift, I. I I had him in fantasy. He was hurt, and we traded, and I traded off him, and it yeah. turned out to be a very good trade. Yeah, of him because he's was didn't next to nothing. Went since he I got mean, yeah. Jamal Williams was the league leading rusher. Yeah, and considering the fact he was getting short goal line well, rushing touchdowns, and like he was a rushing touchdown machine, and DeAndre Swift, I think it's going to be a good fit for the Philadelphia. I, mm-hmm. I really do. Of, yeah, a lot of people are kind of downplaying it because of Swift's injuries are saying Swift can't stay healthy. He has all this potential. I think people he's going to be that, good. But why can't? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People are saying he has all, he has all this potential. Maybe that's why people love him because he hasn't been consistent because of his injuries. But I think in Detroit, he was always asked to carry more of a load in that offense. I think being on the Eagles with a running quarterback, a phenomenal receiving core, a phenomenal line, he's not going to be relied on as much. He may not put up maybe as great of numbers, but he's going to be a phenomenal gadget for them being a receiving back who can also hit the holes and it's just very explosive. Uh, obviously not having a Jamal Williams, but he does have a Boston Scott who likes to vulture a lot and Jalen hurts who likes to vulture a lot. So maybe not a phenomenal fantasy pick, but I think he's going to be a great fit for their offense. They didn't have to give up a lot for him. Uh, I think he fits in like a, what, what's the saying? Fits like a glove. Yeah. He fits uh, in the glove in his offense. What do you uh, think? Simpson's glove though. What what other teams do you think won the won the draft? Hurts me to say it, but the Houston Texans. I mean, it's hard as a Texans fan, if you're a Texans fan, to not be excited. You drafted yeah, CJ Stroud, who a lot think has the most potential in this draft. You know, Bryce Young's a safer pick, more ready pick. CJ Stroud, if you watch that game in the college football playoffs, man, he was electric. Um, it took him getting injured for them to lose that game. Or what's his face getting injured? Marvin Harrison. Uh, but 
CJ Stroud has a very high ceiling. And not only did they take Stroud, they trade back up to three and take Will Anderson, who many believe, I believe, is the best player in this draft. Just didn't go one because obviously a team's going to take a quarterback there. If the Bears stayed at one, they would have taken Will Anderson 100% out of 100% times. But the Texans are coming away with possibly the best offensive player and possibly the best defensive player in this draft uh, on an already young team. They did good in the middle rounds of the draft as well. They fit a lot of needs. Uh, it's just going to come down to coaching and if they can not panic when things don't work. You know, if things aren't going to work this year, if they're not winning games, it's not a bad thing. I know they didn't get their – they don't have their pick for next year, but don't panic. Use your middle round picks. You know, this is going to be a process. Teams seem to be a little eager to win when you got to remember, like, it takes some of these rookies time to develop. So build up the O-line, build up the secondary, which I think they've actually done a good job of. Will Anderson will get to the quarterback. It helps your corners. And uh, CJ Stroud is going to be tall. Franchises on his back, the Texans. It's hard to not be excited, but little shaky that his uh, agent is Deshaun Watson's agent. So maybe a little beef with the Texans, and maybe and yeah, it might be some tough contract extension talks, he, you know, down the line. He he's David Mugaletta is one of the best in the business, though. He's great at overselling his clients. I mean, yeah, obviously, Sean Watson got a $230 million Man, guaranteed contract. I, I consider with him, him, Lee Steinberg, Drew Rosenhaus, like the premier NFL agents, I would say. Love, love Rosenhaus. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, yeah. I want to say uh, this. Uh, if you had to pick, like, right now, like, what are your top – what are the top teams coming from this draft? What do you, give me real quick? Who are like the early on NFC and AFC favorites? We're not going to do any Super Bowl predictions yet or yeah, for championship picks yet because people, mm-hmm. uh, it's too early for people to mush me because it's, <laughs> it's May. It's May. These takes now, these takes this early is always, but if you had to pick ask. right now, um, honestly, all right, NFC-wise, I know there's always teams that surprise you, and it's hard to kind of just say this, but NFC is weak compared to the AFC, man. They you don't have the quarterback Philly, talent. They don't have the teams. You really have Philly and San Francisco. Right. Honestly. Again, I think Detroit but, um, can make it a probably, big leap. Detroit can make a big leap, but their draft class was pretty bad. Um, they didn't improve themselves in the first round drafting a running back. I know they traded Swift, and but they just signed David Montgomery – uh, and I just don't think they needed a running back at that pick. They could have used a secondary guy. They could use a uh, someone on defense because that defense was bored last year. But we'll have to see. I like the coaching, obviously. Uh, don't know if you're winning with Jared Goff right now, but I he, do Goff like – He had a good year. year. He had a good year. Yes. Year. He, he had a really good year. good year. I just think the ceiling's low with him. Uh, he's not versatile. He's, he's not athletic enough. You know, doesn't get out of the pocket a lot. But that O-line, really good. And I see well. Uh, but I think Seattle, NFC, I think Seattle, they had a great, they got a great, Seattle had a phenomenal receiver, draft. Devin Witherspoon, shout out, shout out, fighting Illini, Devin Witherspoon going number five, mm-hmm. came out of high school as a zero star recruit and going number five in the draft is phenomenal. But I mean, might sound boring, but until we get closer to the season and into the season, I think the Eagles are the best team. They have the best quarterback in the NFC. They have the best overall team in the NFC. Their defense is only going to get better. They have O-line. a top 10 receiver in A.J. Brown. Their O-line is obviously great. They have A.J. Nice. Brown, Devontae Smith, who you could argue are two top 15 receivers, uh, yardage-wise at least they were. Uh, they, and then you had DeAndre Swift, 
Nick Sirianni is a great coach. I think the Eagles are going to be a team to a force to be reckoned with as long as Jalen Hurts does not take a massive, you know, down, down. If, as long as he doesn't play, as long as he doesn't have like a slump type of year after that big year. Um, and then in the AFC, Chiefs. Obviously. You want? I mean, you want to you want to say the Chiefs, but I don't like the receiving core they're using out there this year. They didn't get better in the draft at receiver. They drafted one. But I mean, Mahomes has never really needed the receivers. Obviously, with Travis Kelsey. When you have too. Mahomes, you always have a chance. The Bengals, they. Yeah. they I think I really like the Bengals. I think the Bengals should be the favorites in the AFC right now. Drafted Charlie Jones. And, uh, the, and AFC, we also can't discount Buffalo, even though they're in the discussion. Buffalo, you can't discount the Jets. So people could argue the Jets last year were a quarterback away from being a legit they, playoff team. That that division is going to be war, right? Between, yeah, I think there's nobody in the AFC South. Rodgers, Tua, and Josh mm-hmm. Allen. I, yeah. I think it's still Josh Allen. And, yeah. and then Aaron Rodgers is number two. It's going to be yet. the Jets and the Bills. It's not that I'm trying to discount Tua because he's proven people wrong when healthy. It's his when healthy. That's the key. And he's not yeah. – not healthy and his concussions and he's one screw up away and that's gonna immediately disqualify him even though the mm-hmm. miami dolphins are a lot better defensively with Jalen ramsey mm-hmm. the fact is that their offense still has tyreek they still have waddle yeah they, they're always gonna they have they, they're always gonna you know be a team that they, even, they almost say beat if Tua can stay healthy or really good team. They almost beat Buffalo last year with Skylar hey, Thompson's quarterback. Watch out for the Ravens. I know, like, you can't really rely on Lamar to stay healthy at this point, but if Lamar is healthy, yeah, they'll be good. Lamar's an MVP. Like, last year he was the MVP until he got hurt. You can't argue it. They added Odell. They added uh, – who they draft? Jordan Addison? Yeah. USC. For not, they, they only got 10 times, 20 times better receiver than last year. Uh, Lamar's back. No drama surrounding the contract this year. That was a big thing last year. No, co- hopefully coming in healthy. And that defense, they just need to hold up in the secondary. You know, their secondary had a really down year last year. But I think John Harbaugh coaches his ass off. And I mean, the AFC is tough, dude. It's it's going to be a war zone in there. I don't think any teams in the AFC South are really contenders. I think it's going to probably be I think the, the Jags division. At least, at least like, I, yeah, they were a little overrated last year. They won a division at nine and eight. They won that playoff. Trevor game Lawrence, t- T-Law took a big step though. They did beat, had a big. Oh no, hundred percent. T-Law played great. They almost beat the Chiefs too, uh, with Mahomes like being 50-50 with his little like ankle injury. But uh, I think the Bengals are honestly my favorite team right now in the AFC, or like my, the team that I think is the favorite in the AFC. They're not my favorite team. Um, because I just think they're receiving core and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, when they're on, it's really hard to stop them. So it just comes down to if their defense can play, and Zach Taylor's a phenomenal coach. Right. I agree with you on that end. Uh, Jordan Goodhart, pleasure uh, as always, my man. We had a, It's good to see you uh, mm-hmm. the pod. And, uh, you know, you've changed. You've grown up. The nice, mm-hmm. man you are. Why? Because I, like like, I think the Lakers also, are a good team. <laughs> and you're – You've come around on that. That's the main reason why I'm saying it. you've matured yes, and sir. you, the Lakers have come around to you because what, since we started doing the pod together, you've been the biggest Laker hater. I know now you're saying they have a shot here to do something. Yeah. A good shot. They're my, they're my, not my AFC, my West favorite. I think it's them Celtics. And uh, I would love to see that. Thank you guys for listening to another edition of the Off the Dump podcast. Have a great day and a great night. Go get them.